Amen. John chapter number 15. I want to read verses 13 through 16 as we open up this morning. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now, came across these verses the other day as I was preparing for this morning's service. And verse 14 specifically caught my attention. It says, ye are my friends. But then it throws in there this if. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now, if you take and you compare that with James 4, 4, which says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity. That means hatred with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. I wonder this morning whose friend are you? Now we know that Jesus Christ is our friend. Verse 13 of our text makes that abundantly clear. He clearly, he emphatically demonstrated that friendship when he gave his own life for us on that old rugged cross and he shed his precious blood that we might have the ability to be redeemed from the penalty of our sins. He is a friend to sinful mankind. But are you his friend? Now, there are many professing Christians out there today, as Darrell said, and Danville and Halifax County, Pennsylvania County, even a dog might tell you he's saved. <laughs> many out there would profess to you, they'd tell you, sure, I'm a Christian, sure, I'm the friend of God. But their lives testify otherwise. To anyone who has eyes to see, it's clear that it is not Jesus that they love. And who is their friend? They call themselves Christian, but they talk like the world. They call themselves Christian, but they act like the world. They dress like the world. They listen to worldly and ungodly sounding music. They drink like the world. They party like the world. And the list can go on and on and on. Now you tell me, who is their friend? Who do they love? I mean, they'd rather go to the dance house than they would to the church house. Now, granted, we have some churches like that nowadays, and they're certainly not God's friend. If we're honest with ourselves, it sure seems like they love the world and are the world's friend and not Christ. That verse in James states that friendship with the world is enmity or hatred towards God. And in 1 John 2.15, John pointedly says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a definitive statement. That's not a maybe. Is not in him. So truly, an individual that fits that description is not a friend of God. And don't deceive yourself to think otherwise. In fact, they are living, uh, the life they are living, they have chosen to literally make themselves 
his enemy because they are literally fighting against all that he wants in their life. And so they can go around and tell everybody how saved they are and how much they love God and how much they're the friend of God. But John says the love of the Father is not in such an individual. Now let me ask you, how does God distinguish that we have a relationship of friendship and love with him? What do you think? Well, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now we know we don't get saved by obedience, but if we do get saved, we're going to want to obey. That's very definitively clear. If you love me, if you have a relationship with me, if you're my friend, keep my commandments. And then you go over to our text that we read today in John 15, 14, and Jesus says, ye are my friends if, if what? If ye do whatsoever I command you. So is it not foolish for all these folks to go out there saying, oh, how I love Jesus and I'm the friend of God. And the reality is when you look at their life, they love the world. They love the things in the world and they act like the world and there's no reality to it. There's no truth there. They don't care about what Jesus says or what Jesus wants in their life. They're living their own life, their own way. They are not the friend of God. They are the friend of the world. And they have made themselves the enemy of God by the way they're living their lives. You look with me also at James in chapter number 2. In verse 17 through 24, James is talking about real faith. And he distinguishes between fake faith and real faith in this text. Starting in verse number 17, he says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now listen, folks, thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. Listen, the devils also believe and tremble. We know they won't be in heaven. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called what? The friend of God. Notice that it was Abraham's faith in the Lord that caused him to follow and obey the Lord. And so he was called the friend of God. So listen, folks, clearly God distinguishes a man who has real faith, who truly loves God, who is genuine, genuinely the friend of God by the fact that 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 faith and that friendship and that love causes him to obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. If that's not evident, you don't get the real deal. You've got a profession but no possession of a relationship with Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus emphasizes this fact in Luke 6, 46, when he says, Why call ye me 
Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. <laughs> he says, why are you saying I'm your Lord? You're not doing what I'm telling you to do. Why is it that you're calling me saying I'm your God when you care not about what I've told you to do with my words? I know how many people we have out there like that today. And they'll say, oh, how I love Jesus and I'm the friend of God and I believe in God. And they care not one lick about what God says they ought to be doing in their life. There's no reality to that. Also, we see three times in the New Testament, God refers to the, to the lost who do not have a relationship with him as the children of disobedience. Think about that. They care not to obey. Their life is characterized by their disobedience to God and his word and what he says is right. So clearly, our obedience to the Lord is a distinguishing factor of our faith in him and of our friendship with him. We're not saved by what we've done. We're saved by what Jesus did on an old rugged cross, amen? But when we genuinely repent and turn our life over to Christ, to trust in him, to follow him as our Lord and Savior, and we enter into a relationship with him, that will be evidenced by the fact that we desire to obey him and to follow him and to live for him and to honor him in our life. And if that is not seen, then listen, you are not the friend of God and you do not have a relationship with God. You have a false profession. You have dead religion and nothing more. Amen. We need a relationship. We need a friendship. We don't need dead religion. So what about you? Are you the friend of God? If you can say yes, yes, preacher, I know for sure I am the friend of God. I do have a relationship with him without a doubt. I know I have a relationship with God. He is my friend. Then I ask you as a believer, are you acting like him? Are you the friend that you ought to be to God? We all know what a good friend is and what a bad friend is. Are you the type of friend to God that you would want him to be to you? Or that you would want a friend to be to you? You see, folks, his friends are distinguished by the fact that they seek to do his commands and to follow what he says. And so today, as we consider this, I want us, um, I want us to consider how we are to demonstrate our friendship with Christ both to him as well as to those that are viewing our lives. These are things that ought to be seen in our life to some degree, one way or another, if we are born again. If they're not there, it's probably because we don't have a relationship with him. We are not his friend. We're a friend with the world. And so keep in, in mind, it all revolves around what you do. You cannot separate obedience from the Christian life. I read a quote the other day. I said, Christianity really isn't something to be believed. It's someone to obey, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. And when somebody gets to the place where they want to separate that and say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to obey Jesus, you know they've got a false profession of faith. Yeah. There's no reality in that. Okay, so it revolves around what you do. Because Jesus said, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. That's related to our obedience that demonstrates our friendship to him. I want us to notice today um, six things 
concerning this. First of all, this involves us personally uh, obeying, personally doing what he says. Notice in our verses the personal pronouns. He says, ye, I, you. Listen, we have a God who is personal, do we not? And he desires for us to be personally involved doing what he has told us to do. Really, there's no way to get around the fact that friendship is a personal thing, right? And when you be choose, because it is something that has to be chosen, when you choose to be someone's friend, you are choosing to actively, personally be involved in their life. That means I'm involved in what they're involved in because they are my friend and I love them. Now listen, folks, don't tell me how much you love Jesus and how he's your best friend when you're not involved or interested in the things that he loves and the things that he cares about. His church, his Christians, his commandments, they ought to be very important to you and I because they are important to Christ, right? And I love him and he's my friend. And listen, if those things aren't important to me, then I have a problem because Jesus makes it clear that his friends are personally and actively involved in what he loves and cares about. If you're not personally, actively involved in what he loves and what he cares about, it's likely because you don't have a relationship of friendship with Christ. You've never entered into that relationship. You've done a religious thing and gone down your life, tacking on that prayer and saying, well, I prayed that prayer, I'm good, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But you have no relationship with God, no friendship with him, and you don't care what he wants in your life. You see... It's not like the fair weather friend. I know I went to public school for a number of years before, before I graduated from Christian school. And I remember numerous times and you'd see a kid come into class and he'd pull out a bag of candy. And I'll tell you what, you would not believe how many friends that kid had in a matter of seconds. As soon as they heard the pop of the bag open up, the kid was surrounded like uh, a bunch of ravaging hyenas all around him all of a sudden, you know. He had every, every kid in the class was his friend. And as soon as the candy was gone, guess what happened? Bye-bye, friends. You know, that's not real friendship, is it? And I hope that's not the, the way that you've dealt with Jesus in your life because that's not a real relationship. Oh, how many people out there today, they deal with Jesus like that. Boy, I'm going to pray that prayer. Jesus, save me. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And I'm going to go my own way, do my own thing now. Why? Because they think they got what they wanted out of Christ. They think they got a fire escape from the pits of hell. And they think, well, I'm good now. I've got what I want, so I'm okay. I've got all I want out of you, Jesus, so I'm going to do my own thing now. And you know there's no reality in it. Right. And you know that he knows that as well. That's why there's many in that day that will say before him, Jesus, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't know you. I have no relationship with you. 
Why? Because they were like that, those kids in my school class. They were interested in what they could get out of Jesus, but they never really had a relationship. You see, real friendship involves us personally doing, being personally, actively involved in what that person loves and cares about. And so if we're going to be obedient to Christ, if we're going to demonstrate that love to him, that we truly have a relationship with him, it's going to involve us being personally involved and caring about and loving what the Lord loves and caring about what he's concerned about. Notice number two, it involves us promptly doing. Think about that for a minute. John 15, 14, it says, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I commanded you. Now, notice that key phrase, if ye do. Listen, folks, we, if, if we are to do what God wants for us to do, it's going to be done immediately, right? For delayed obedience is simply disobedience. Let us not get something different in our mind. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You tell your kid, take out the trash, do the dishes. You come back later, I was going to do it, Daddy. I was going to do it, Mommy. Or maybe they do do it, but it takes them ten times as long. Was it really obedience? No, it wasn't obeying. Because they didn't do it when they were told to do it. Delayed obedience is simply disobedience. So when Jesus called to his disciples, now the Bible tells us that straightway they forsook their nets and they followed him. That means immediately, promptly, as soon as he called to them, as soon as they knew what he was asking of them, they left and went after Jesus. And so also are we to obey the Lord and do what he tells us to do. As soon as we understand that he wants us to do something in our life, it's not, uh, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. It's immediately I'm going to do it because he's my friend and I'm the friend of God. And what he wants me to do, I'm going to do in my life. You see, true obedience is not done whenever you feel like it. Oh, how many Christians we have like that today? Well, I'll obey God sometime. I'll, get, I'll obey God part of the time. I'll obey God when it feels good or when it's okay with me or when I feel like it. That's not obedience. You see, truly, we demonstrate our love and friendship to God. Uh, if we're going to do that, we ought to make sure that we do what he says and we do it right away. That's real obedience. Amen. That's demonstrate that I have a relationship of friendship with him because he is my Lord, he is my God, he is my Savior, and he's the authority over my life. And because I love him, um, because he first loved me, when I know he wants me to do something in my life, I'm going to do it because he's my friend. And I'm his friend as well. So you promptly do. Notice also you persistently do what the Lord wants. That word do conveys to us that we are to obey his words and we are to keep on obeying. <laughs> this is not a one-time event. Like many people want to label Christianity. Well, I did that. I prayed that prayer, right? How many times? Have I did that. I've already been there. I did that. It's not a one-time event. 
but is to be an everyday thing doing the will of God, continually seeking to do all that he has commanded and asked us to do. Listen, folks, this is a way of life. Did not Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Choosing Jesus is a way of life. It's not a one-time event. Just like with the parable of the talents. As you look at that parable, it's mentioned in Matthew 25. The Lord distributes his talents to each of his servants. And he's expecting them to faithfully be doing his bidding with what he has entrusted them with. As you read down through that text, you find out that there was this one servant. He calls him the unprofitable servant. And he took and he buried that talent. He did not fulfill the Lord's building, the Lord's bidding with that which the Lord had given him. And the Bible tells us he would be cast into outer darkness. There would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You understand he's talking about hell. Listen, friend, true faith, true obedience includes a continuing in our obeying. You see somebody for years and years and years, they profess to be a Christian, and all of a sudden they go off the deep end. They don't care what God wants in their life anymore. What are they showing you? They're showing you they were never really the friend of God to begin with. They never really had a friendship, a relationship with Jesus Christ to begin with. Oh, how many there are in our world like that today. True friendship does not stop. It continues on. So how many there are out there today, they'll say, well, I'll be your friend one day, but not the next. Or I'll be your friend when I feel like it. That's not friendship, is it? Friendship involves a continuing. That's, that's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. It's not the just shall might live by faith. The just shall live by faith. This is the testimony of their life that they're following by faith the Lord. That they're obeying by faith the Lord. Because that is the character of the friends of God. What about you? Are you his friend? Or only on certain days when it feels good? <coughs> or only on certain days when it seems to be easy? You know, we've had a whole lot of people in this day and age that we've seen even recently. It's been all over the news. This contemporary Christian artist, which I would, I would guess the vast majority of these contemporary so-called Christian um, singers are probably not saved to begin with, honestly. You just look at their life. They're as worldly as can be. They don't seem to care one lick about God. They look just like the rock stars uh, that are just as worldly as can be. I wouldn't trust in one lick. But this young man, 36 years old, has lived this life, his entire life, was a pastor's kid, and has a, was a contemporary Christian artist um, from his youth up, was on the public stage doing all this stuff. He's come out now and said, I don't believe in God. What, what would I have to say about that? I say he wasn't the friend of God to begin with. Amen. He never had a relationship with God. He never cared about God. He looked just like the world. He acted just like the world. There was there anything godly? Was there anything holy about the man? He didn't care about God. He was not the friend of God. So nothing's changed. Except now he's coming out boldly professing, I care not for him. He's not my friend. Whereas before he 
behind a facade saying, he's my friend. Yeah. I'm going to love the world, but he's my friend. He didn't have it to begin with. What about you? What do you got? You're the friend of the world or you're the friend of God? The way you live your life will tell you pretty clearly. We see here it involves you personally doing. It involves you promptly doing what he wants you to do. It involves you persistently doing what he wants you to do. It involves you also publicly doing what he wants you to do. Listen, folks, friendship is not a private thing, is it? Okay, if you are truly someone's friend, you are open about that, you are glad to share that information with all those around you. Listen, folks, as a friend of God, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of it, amen. I'm not ashamed to, to tell the world that I'm a Christian, that I belong to Jesus Christ, that He is my Lord, that He is my Savior, that He is my King. I'm not ashamed of that. And I'm not ashamed to openly, publicly obey Him and follow Him for everybody else to see me living a Christian life. Because He's my God. He's my Savior. And He is my friend. What about you? Are you ashamed for others to see you living a life for Jesus on the job or in the community? You're one of the secret service Christians. You like to call yourself Christian and, and uh, yet you uh, kind of secretly do it. And really the only people that know that you're Christian are the people you see at church once in a while. Or that you make out to be Christian before. Are you a person, one, uh, are, are you a person, one person at church and a different person during the week? Being a friend of Christ was never intended to be a Sunday thing or a secret thing. And that's part of the reason that it is to be public. I mean, that's why Jesus commanded us to be baptized. We don't get saved by getting baptized. The baptism was to make our profession public. Yeah. To say, hey, listen, I'm trusting Jesus. He's my friend. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to live for him as a new creature in Christ now. Because I've given my life to Christ. And unfortunately, how many folks nowadays treat that baptismal just like a religious deed? They go up there, they get dunked, and they... Go down a dry center and they come up a wet one and there's no difference made in their life because they never had a relationship with Jesus to begin with. But that's a purpose behind baptism to publicly declare, I am the friend of God. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You see, we ought to be public about our faith and our life for Christ. Um, and we need to make sure that that's a testimony we have if we are going to call ourselves a friend of God. I want you to notice also that we are to perfectly do. And I, what I mean by that is to be completely doing what God wants for us to do. Now listen, folks. To obey rightly is to obey completely. Am I not right? Now if I told my son to wash the dishes, to dry them and put them away, and all he does is wash them, am I going to feel like he's obeyed me? No, because he's not obeyed completely. He's not done all of what he was supposed to do. So partial obedience is really what? It's disobedience undercover. 
Because it's you trying to justify yourself, doing just a little bit, and then saying, there, I've I've obeyed, I'm good, when the reality is you really haven't. There's a powerful story that deals with this in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 15, chapter 13. We find that God had given a command to Saul and how he wanted him to deal with the Amalekites, the enemies of God. And so he goes out, but he does not do what God wanted. God wanted him to utterly destroy everything. He spares the king, and he spares the best of the cattle. Okay, and when he meets up with Saul, the prophet of God, what does he tell him? 1 Samuel 15, 13, he says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. What does he say? I've obeyed God. I did it, Lord. And yet, when you examine the situation, it was very clear Saul did not do all of what the Lord commanded. And God viewed it as disobedience. And the Lord, in fact, you read down through in that chapter, you find out just in verses 20 through 23, he He goes even further and the Lord tells him, Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So he partially obeyed, right? He did part of it. He didn't do all of it. And God's saying, listen, Saul, that's like witchcraft. That's how awful I view it. You must, it's just as bad as if you didn't do it at all. God does not want partial obedience. That's just a different form of disobedience. Remember, obedience is not obedience unless it's done completely and totally as the Lord has commanded. And so if we will not demonstrate our friendship with God, uh, or if we will demonstrate our friendship with God, listen folks, it will not be done by picking and choosing what or how you are going to obey the Savior like Saul, but by completely obeying. How many out there do we have like that today? That that probably describes the vast majority of professing Christians today. Well, I'll obey this part because I like that. I like God's grace. I like God's mercy. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Your temple is a holy God. You shall not defile. I I don't really like those things. I like grace. I like love. I like all this stuff. And so they pick and they choose. Sure, God, I like this. I'll obey this part of the word, but not this. Is that obedience? Is that friendship? How many of you would like a friend who was picking and choosing I'm going to like you on this day, but not on this day. Or I'm going to act like a friend to you in this way, but not in this way. Hey, listen, I'll be real friendly to you when we go out to the theme park, but when I see a church, you're my enemy. What would you think about that? That's not much of a friend, is it? And yet how many Christians or professing Christians are out there just like that today? And it makes me wonder how many of them really are the friend of God and how many of them just are putting on a facade and they've got this fake false front and they're not a friend of God at all. They're a friend of the world that's masquerading like a friend of God because they have no relationship for God and they're just like the Pharisees who are trying to justify themselves before men but their hearts are not right with God. 
God doesn't want a false friendship friend. Right. Amen. And when we try to partially obey like Saul and say, I've obeyed, we're just justifying ourselves, saying, I'm good, I've done my deed, I'm fine. That's a fake friendship. There's no reality in it. May God help us. God wants to see us perfectly do what he's commanded us to do. That means do all of what we know he wants for us to do. Not pick and choose. Now I want you to notice lastly today. It involves us passion, passionately doing what he wants us to do. Now listen folks, we've already mentioned this. But friendship is a relationship of love. Brotherly love. And as our text tells us in verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this. And a man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus showed us his love. He showed us his friendship towards us when he, he died for us to pay the penalty for our sins by being crucified and shedding his precious blood for you and for me. And then he proceeds to tell us the very next verse, if. Hey, think of all that he's done for you. All that he's done for you so you could be his friend. And then he says, if. You love me, if you love me. Keep my commandments. And ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Listen, friend, the reality is I love him because he first loved me. And I want to do what he tells me to do because he loves me. And also because I love him. Now, if you don't care or desire to do what Jesus says you should, it's probably because you are not his friend and you don't really love him because you don't really have a relationship with him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, If any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema maranatha, which means let it be accursed, the Lord cometh. That's a powerful statement, is it not? You can tell a lot by what a person loves. You see, the character of a man who is saved is that he loves the Lord and desires to do what the Lord says because he is the friend of God. In that text in James, you read chapter 2 thoroughly and think on it. James is describing three types of faith. Dead faith, which is basically somebody that professes faith, but there's no works associated, nothing there at all. Demonic faith like the demons that profess they know God, and even tremble, but care not to obey him and follow him. And then the dynamic faith of Abraham, who heard the voice of God, who believed it, and by faith obeyed it and followed it. That's the type of faith that is real. That's the type of faith that needs to be seen in us. And he was called the friend of God. And listen, folks. This is what the Lord desires to see in us, that we are his friend. And because we've given him our life and we trusted him our Savior, we desire to do what would please him and what he wants us and, and, and what he's commanded us to do. And if that, listen, friend, if that is missing in your life, you better get it straight. Because when you stand before Jesus on judgment day, He's going to see you for what you really are and not just what you say you are. And he will know if you're a false friend 
who has called yourself a Christian for years, but lived at for and loved the world, or if you were a genuine, born-again believer and friend of God, like Abraham, who sought to do and follow what the Lord commanded. What about you? Have you sincerely entered into a love relationship with Jesus Christ through repentance and faith, where you have genuinely turned from your wrong way and your sin, and turned to what he did on that cross for you, that you might trust him and follow him, and submit to him as a Lord, the God, and the Savior of your life? Has that taken place in your life? Have you become the friend of God so that you desire to do what pleases him, or are you just plain Christian? Be sure God knows the difference. Now, man looks on the outside, the Bible says. God looks on the heart. You can fool all your family. You can fool all your friends. You can fool even all the people at church. But when you stand before God one day, you'll not be able to fool him. He knows the truth of the matter. He knows the heart of the matter. And you better be ready to meet him on that day. I would not want to meet him on that day, having said my entire life that I was a friend of God when really I was a friend of the world and I cared not for God and what he wanted in my life. And what about you, Christians? Maybe you know, I mean, you say, preacher, I do know. I am the friend of God. I've given my life to him. I love him and I do want to follow him. I do want to serve him. I do want to do what he tells me to do in my life. But as you were preaching today, I realize that I've drifted a little bit. I realize that I've been slacking off, that I've maybe been lacking in, in a few areas, and I've not been quite doing what I ought to be doing to be a good friend to my Lord and Savior. Well, if that's the case today, as we have this altar call, I hope that you'll come forward and get it straight. Why don't you get to the place where you draw nigh to God once again? As a pianist comes to play, the Lord has spoken to your heart. We're all going to stand to our feet. The altar is open. Maybe you just need to come and rededicate your life and say, Lord, I am renewing my dedication and commitment to be a close and dear friend of yours. I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. And I, I know that I've not been what I should as a Christian. And I want to get that straight. And I just want to draw close to you again because I don't, I realize, I recognize that things aren't the way they should be in my life. Help me, God. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, the message spoke to my heart. And as, as, as you were preaching, I couldn't help but realize that I'm more described as one who is a friend of the world. I'm more described as one who is in love with the world than one who's a friend of God and in love with God. And it seems quite clear to me as you are preaching that the Holy Spirit put his finger on my heart and said, you're not saved and you are not the friend of God and you need to be. As the piano plays this morning, I wonder, is there anyone like that here this morning that could raise their hand and say, preacher, pray for me. That's me. I don't, I don't know that I have that relationship with God, that I've become the friend of God. I don't know for sure that I've given my life to him to trust him as my savior. I've been more like the world and I don't know for sure that I've I've given my life to him. Is there anyone like that here today? What about you, Christian? Do you need to talk with somebody?
Lord speaks to your heart, you come and pray this morning. Listen, you don't need this preacher to get saved. You don't need, you don't need this church to get saved. You need Jesus to get saved. And I'll tell you what, friend, you need a friendship with Jesus. You need to repent of all your wicked ways. You need to turn to Christ with all your heart. You need to trust in Him with all that you are. That you might give your life to Him, to, to love Him, to live for Him, and to follow Him. That's the reality of having a relationship with Christ. Well, if Christ is dealing with you about that today, won't you come forward and give your life to Him and become the friend of God? And what about you, believer? Has your friendship with Him been what it ought to be? Is there some area for, for improvement? Could you be doing better at being His friend? Would you come and pray about it this morning? The Lord spoke in your heart. You come and pray.